reading this morning is from John 6, chapter 6, verses 52 to 68. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as our father, as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love and his faithfulness and obedience to your will. Father, protect the speaking of your word this morning. Guard it. Keep it true and accurate. Bless the hearers, Father, that they would only hear what is good and according to your word and that it would be fulfilling and uplifting and emboldening as they go out and live what you have called us all to live that you may receive the glory and honor due your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Lord, to whom shall we go? If you think about those that were hearing this word, this teaching at the time, you think about the Jewish religion and what they were accustomed to doing. They had sacrifices. They would sacrifice animals for their sins. They would bring grain and oils for worship. And the sacrificing of the animals was the shedding of the blood, the blood being sprinkled on the altar, poured out on the ground. The meat was burned as an as a offering to, to God. Some of it went to the, the upkeep of the priests as well. And how they were, were now being confronted with, I've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. But doesn't the law teach that if I touch a dead person, I'm unclean? 
So often we look at the Jewish people and we say, what was wrong with you? Don't you get the picture? Well, no, they didn't get the picture because it hadn't been fully painted yet. So what Jesus was saying to them was really bizarre. It was very strange. It was unusual. It would cause us to question that teaching if we were to hear it today and not know Jesus as our Lord and Savior and what he had done on the cross. And they, they started, I would imagine, started talking about him. This guy is loony. So he turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? Well, this is where we, I want to take off from. I'm not going to get into communion and, and the fullness of all of that because we have Nate to, to bring that out. and He's been instructed in that and we'll do it more accurately. But isn't life really hard at times? And to whom shall we go? We have two choices. We can go to our God, or we can go elsewhere. That's it. Elsewhere leads to sin and death. Where do we typically go? Well, being it's um, that particular year where elections are uh, ever before us, and um, it fills the news and all sorts of gossip and everything else. Let's make America great again. He's a racist. Everything should be free. The rich aren't paying their fair share. He supported Obama. He's a crooked career politician. Just to name a few of the mantras that are going around. In reality, it's pretty bleak out there, isn't it? Where does the born-again believer go for a politician that's going to honor the law of the land and honor our God and our Creator? But I'll get back to politics later on. Television. It's a real good thing that we don't have cable or satellite dish or any of that stuff at the house because I could waste hours and hours and days and weeks watching some of these reality shows. I love the race cars and who knows what else is out there, but I'm sure I could kill lots of time with that. And is that where I would turn? To escape some of the, the issues that are before us. Just to numb the pain, just to not think about it anymore. What about the sports channel or history or the science channel? These things aren't bad in and of themselves, but where do we go? Are we going to them to escape life, to escape the issues that are before us? There's another one, just ignoring it. Just being silent about those issues. How well does that work in a marriage? Met this lovely couple this morning, 67 years of marriage. God bless them. And... But if we ignore the issues that are before us as our spouse is hurting, what, is that what we're called to do? Ignoring the issues with your children or your parents? There's many different people that are here this morning. We have different ways of escaping 
different things that we go to other than to our God. Maybe it's anger. We react to situations with anger so that we can control and we can manipulate the outcome. Music. Music is wonderful. Love it. But how many more idols do we need? Maybe it's work. I can't figure things out, so if I just work harder, I'll be good. Alcohol? Drugs? I call this food therapy? <laughs> Gambling? Pride? What, what is it? Where do you like to go? I got this. Maybe it's our own self-reliance. Arrogance? Condescension? Pornography? Romance novels? Let's, let's not forget that. Affairs? Maybe it's denial. Blame everybody else for the issues that are handed. Excuse ourselves. We love to do that. So what do we do when life gets hard? The dis you heard the people, they said, this is hard teaching. And the 12 said, to whom shall we go? Think about those times that have been really difficult even in the life of this church. Dan and Naomi Emerson losing their child overseas while on the mission field. Why? They're doing what God wanted, right? Kip Slaughter went for a simple bicycle ride. Paralyzed for life. One of the girls that I call my daughter, she's, parents were divorced and she grew up with our girls and she was, loves the Lord and she's trying to help a fellow student with one of their classes and he turns around and he rapes her. On top of that, when she informed her mother, her mother screamed at her for putting herself in a stupid situation. Shortly thereafter, she attempted suicide. And by the grace of God, she failed. Is that where we go? How about one of your girls comes home and from the mission field and after years of irrational behavior and the tearing down of relationships and with her sisters and with her parents, finally informs you that she was attacked while in the mission field. It helps explain the behavior, but it doesn't take away the consequences. It doesn't take away the hurt. A slow and painful loss of a loved one from cancer. birth defects found in innocent and little children, innocent children. Why? Why do these things happen? <coughs> to whom shall we go? Do we go to the world and we look at the answers that they have for us? The list of alternatives, I've been there, I've done that. All of them are empty. They're futile. They numb the pain, but not a single one brings answers. Not a single one brings hope. Not a single one brings redemption or restoration, gratitude or joy. None of the things that the world offers is fulfilling. Pastor Teddy Bark 
Parker of Bibb Mountain Zion Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. Sometimes I don't feel like God is hearing me, was his suicide note. This congregation member, 800-member congregation, was waiting for him to show up a week and two weeks ago, maybe it was last week, to preach. He shot himself in his driveway. I don't feel like God is hearing me. So when it comes to sharing the gospel, what gospel are we sharing? Jesus Christ came, lived the perfect life, died for our sins, and now because of his resurrection, we have life eternally with our God and our Savior. But let's jump back into the context. The people are saying this guy's loony, we gotta eat his blood, eat his flesh and drink his blood. And the, the 12 said, you have the words of eternal life. Well, what, what words were they? Matthew, Mark, and Luke hadn't been written yet. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. So they knew he was from God, but they didn't see the whole picture yet. So what did they know about God that inspired them, that drew them to Jesus and knew that he, would ha he had the words of eternal life? Don't we look at the Old Testament and say that, boy, God's pretty harsh? I mean, think about that. Korah rose up against Aaron and said, I don't think you have the authority to rule over us as the high priest. Who are you? You know. After proving that Aaron did have that authority... God said, everybody get away from Korah and his family and all those that followed him. And the ground opened up and swallowed him. You ever thought of challenging Nate? <laughs> that was pretty harsh. You look at the Israelites as they were told to go in and wipe out every man, woman, and child and every living thing in a town. That's harsh. So is our view of God biblical? and thorough. Have we bought into the explanations of man, or do we look at God's word and accept it for the truth? Are we waiting for men and science to catch up with reality? There's much debate over creation versus evolution, and, and I believe we do ourselves a great disservice to embrace evolution in any form whether it's God-ordained evolution or evolution by chance. The way I see it, scientists look at, um, they, they come up with their theories so that we don't have to give an account to a God. And the government pays them well to do that. The theory of evolution detracts from God's amazing power and attempts to destroy our view of his ability. But let's think about our God. We've sang it in some of the songs, and Nate kept using lines that I had up here. I thought he was reading my sermon. But our God spoke every detail of creation into existence. Not a thing that wasn't spoken into existence. He calls each star out 
by name. Man hasn't begun to explore the depths of our universe. Our God created every virus, every bacteria, every insect, every bird, every animal, every fish, every amphibian, every mammal, every reptile, and all with an exact purpose and use. And if I left some out, I'm sorry. <laughs> Our God created the turkey buzzard and the fly to clean up roadkills and to sterilize the environment, to eat things that would kill you or I. Our God created the mouse and the rabbit to reproduce at extreme rates to feed the hawk and the eagle, the man, the coyote, and the fox. Our God designs each snowflake and puts it in the exact location that he wants it, all differently. Our God knows where the rain will fall, the temperatures of the day and the night. Our God knows when the deer will conceive and give birth. He's there. Our God knows when the sparrow will fall in death. Our God calls the sea turtle out of the, the seas and to lay its eggs on the shore. When hatched, many feed gulls and fish. Our God gives direction to the salmon to return to their birthplace to spawn and then to be food for the bears and the cats and the eagles and the wolves and all the other predators. Our God designed birds to migrate back to their place of birth. The monarch butterfly, which we look at, is so fragile and beautiful in its color and its design. It goes back to Mexico. Our God created the mosquito to feed the bat, and yes, even to spread disease and the effects of sin. Our God will know, knows who will get malaria, who will get the West Nile virus, and who will get the Zika virus, and he's there. It's easier for some of us, but our God knows the number of hairs on our head. Our God knows the exact number of people on this planet and what each one is going through at this very moment. Our God knows our DNA code. In fact, he designed it so that we would be exactly who he created us to be. Our God knows our words before they roll off our tongue. A lot of times we don't, and we regret it when we do. Our God knows our thoughts. Our God knows our hearts, our temptations, and our sins. In fact, he knew us before the creation of the world. Can you wrap your mind around this? If you can't, that's a really good thing because we shouldn't be able to figure out God. See, our God knows the direction our country will go. He won't be surprised in November. Our God knows whom he will call and when he will call them. He knows the circumstances that will cause our knees to bend to him. So I just want to ask you, who can stay the hand of our God? 
What army on earth can defeat him? What missiles can we launch that will wound him? What army of evil will destroy his word? Now, what foe can pry his children from his hand? Where can we go that his protection will not go before us? What can we do that will shock him? What broken relationship is beyond his repair? And what heart is too hard for our God to soften, to break, to replace? See, our God promises, Isaiah 41, 13, to hold our right hand. Our God promises never to leave us nor forsake us. Our God will never stop pursuing us. Our God will never grow weary. He won't give up. He will never stop drawing us to himself. Our God promises never to allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. Our God promises to comfort us. Our God promises that all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Our God promises us that through Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. Not just not forgiven for the sins that we've already committed, but the sins that we will commit today and the sins we're going to commit tomorrow, we've been forgiven. It was finished at the cross. We have his word on that. Our God promises to go before us into this world as we share his love and truth. Our God told us it was finished. And he promises an eternity in his presence with no more sin. I love this one. Our God cannot lie. See, these are the words of eternal life. Every jot and tittle of God's word describes his intimate love, his faithfulness, his power, his holiness, his justice, his intimate involvement in our lives, his pursuit of us. Every now and then, I, my wife and I, and used to be our kids too until they grew up and wanted to get paid to work, we manufacture surveying stakes out of wood. And in the beginning, when we first got the business, it was challenging. And we get orders, and I remember being anxious over whether or not we had enough wood to fill the order. And at that time, we had to pay within 10 days our wood bill, and that was challenging and to get this, the products out. And we'd end up out of 20,000 pieces, we'd end up with two or three pieces left. 
And then God said, listen, dummy. That tree that you're cutting up, that board, I made sure that that squirrel or that chipmunk planted that acorn a hundred years ago for you. I will go before you. I will keep my promise. So my challenge is to know him, to understand him, to thank him, to trust him. Trust him for our forgiveness of our sins. Trust him for life more abundantly. He loves you. God challenges us to be ready in season and out of season to give a reason for the hope that we have. And when life is clicking and everything's going well and we're newlyweds or a new child and everything's just, um, you're seeing all the blessings of God, it's easy to give a reason for the hope that we have. But when life is hard, we're called to give a reason for the hope that we have. Back to Teddy Parker. A friend said he needed to take a break from ministry. And the way our culture is, the culture forbids that. How much grace do people allow? It's hard to be honest. It is hard to be honest. Because we, we look at what the world says. What the world says about the Christian. What we say about ourselves. We're living the victorious Christian life. We want to go on saying, we've got this. But there are times when life is so hard, we've got all we can do to get out of bed, all we can do to go on with what's set before us and the demands that are on us and the responsibilities that we have. So how do we medicate? Where do we go? I'd love to tell you that I always go right to the Lord. Something comes up, whether it's broken down equipment at the shop or some other interruption in my controlled life. <laughs> Anger, so many other issues, that is where I turn. Do I look at him as, okay, God, this is an opportunity. An opportunity to trust you even more. The issues that lie before our family, is this an opportunity for you, Lord, to answer in ways and to redeem what Satan has stolen? I don't go there first. See, the challenge is, if we, knowing who God is, knowing our Savior loves us, knowing everything about create, not knowing everything about the creation, but knowing that our Creator created everything in creation, and that he, he is there before us, and He's there with us, and He's holding our right hand. If we struggle with these things, if we struggle when life is hard, if we struggle in looking to God, in these difficult times, how much worse is it for the person that doesn't know God? 
how challenged is he when we live and we die? What comfort is it when you hear that someone died and they believed in a higher power? Is it any wonder the suicide rates that are out there right now, the drug use, the divorce rate, the sexual exploitation and rapid decay in our morality in our society? We can't even figure out what bathroom to use anymore. Our neighbors need to hear the words of eternal life. Our neighbors need to know the struggles that we go through so that we, they know where we go for hope. One of the things that I like to challenge our session with is so often we would just want to give, here, read these two verses and call me in a week. Matthew 5 tells us that we need to walk with our neighbor. We need to mourn with those who mourn and to laugh with those who laugh. We need to live life with one another. And our weaknesses and our trials and our sorrows, our brokenness, because in those, Christ is strong. Our neighbors need to know that we're beggars just like them, but we know where to get food. So I want to challenge you with ministering the gospel. As the Jews at that time knew the God that brought them out of the land of Egypt, knew the God that required the law to be fulfilled. We love that same God, and he loves us. But we have the rest of the picture. Christ came and gave his life for us, and he will come back again. There will be justice. There will be a time, an eternal time, where there's no more sin. This life is fleeting. So we're getting back to politics. I don't think this will um, void your tax-exempt status, but I am going to make an endorsement that we can all live with as believers in Jesus Christ. Tuesday we have the primaries. I don't know if it's for Democrats and Republicans or just Republicans or whatever it is. But I encourage you to write in Nate Thompson, a man after God's own heart. Before we sing this last song, I don't know if you've heard of or watched, I think it's The Voice, but Christine Grimmie. She was shot a couple weeks ago right after a concert. And a YouTube video was going around, and I had no idea who she was, and some Christian friends shared this, and it was a video of her saying that her favorite song, her favorite, um, yeah, her favorite song was In Christ Alone, and she sang it, and 
knowing that she had just been shot and murdered, um, and hearing the testimony of her brother, who was the one that tackled her murderer and held him for police. Um, to hear him grieve with hope, to hear him mourn the loss of his sister, but rejoice in that she was with her Savior. And that's what we have to give to the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for fulfilling every aspect of the law. We thank you for doing it not only out of obedience, but out of a love for your Father. Father, some, something we just cannot comprehend, such a perfect love, such perfect obedience. We thank you, Jesus, for nailing or being nailed to the cross, taking every one of our sins and taking the punishment for them. Again, the ability that we have, our flesh has to sin is overwhelming at times. And so often Satan just loves to whisper, you don't deserve it. This one's unforgivable. There's no more grace. Spirit, we ask you to remind us of the truth of your word. Remind us that not even Satan can pry us from your hands. There is nothing in all of creation that will draw us away from you. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for going before us. We thank you for watching our backs and protecting us. We thank you for redeeming that which has been destroyed by Satan and sin. We look forward to the rest of today and tomorrow because we know you are there. And we know no matter what happens, you love us. We know that regardless of the situation, you can redeem and you can restore. Father, we do pray for this country and we ask for your mercy. We ask that you would not give us what we deserve, but that you would redeem those that have been chosen to serve us, and that once again we would be called one nation under God. Jesus, allow us to walk into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our workplaces, into our families, into our homes. Bold, boldly loving, boldly serving, boldly speaking the words of eternal life. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.